Hey, Top News listeners, this is Luke Garrett. And Megan Cloherty. We're the hosts of WTOP's daily local news podcast, The DMV Download. Don't worry, top news from WTOP isn't going away, but we wanted to drop in and give you a taste of what we're producing, a podcast that goes deeper into the biggest stories of the day. If you like what you hear, head over to the DMV Download podcast and subscribe. It's Wednesday, October 26th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by Steamfitters, local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Today, the FBI needs a new headquarters, badly. That's something everyone can agree on. But a nearly decade-long debate over where the next HQ should be, Maryland, Virginia, or D.C., is heating up after Maryland lawmakers learned about changes that could block its two proposed sites. It's outrageous and disappointing. I mean, uh, somehow someone threw a monkey wrench into it and, uh, and changed it completely. That's Governor Larry Hogan, who insinuated there's something fishy going on with a selection process for the next FBI HQ. He says the rules unfairly favor Virginia's location. We bring in WTOP's John Doman to explain. If people thought that the process was being rigged to land a site in Springfield, that's sort of the biggest red light in their mind. Thanks for joining us. I'm Megan Cloherty. And I'm Luke Garrett. Remember, this is the FBI we're talking about here, so the selection for a new headquarters is determined by a regimented scoring system, as bureaucratic as a process can be, and as it should be. But last month, the General Services Administration quietly released its scoring system, and it shocked lawmakers, enraging some, exciting others, depending on their preferences, of course, for the FBI's final landing spot. And joining us now to understand these latest developments is WTOP's John Doman, who's been following this fight over the next FBI HQ closely. Thanks for doing this, John. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, just like bring us back a little bit. Like This has been going on for a long time. So can you give us a bit of the background here? The J. Edgar Hoover building, while ugly, in my opinion, is definitely centrally located. So why are they moving in the first place? Part of it is it's a crumbling building. Like Stuff is literally falling apart. There are certain parts of the building that are protected by netting, so like blo- Wait, really? Like pieces of concrete don't smash people walking down one okay. of the roads around there. Yeah, it's historic. <laughs> it's it's historic. It's in rough shape. Physically, that building is in rough shape, and over time, the bureau has also grown a lot, mm. and there's just not enough room in there to house everybody at this point. There Got are it. a lot of what they call offsite offices scattered throughout the region that FBI employees work at that are you know they might be headquarters based. But they're not there at the headquarters building. They're in lots of different places. And and so all of that led years ago to the FBI and GSA to start looking at new headquarters options. This was back in the Obama administration. I was going to say, this has been going on for a really long time. I'm surprised they haven't determined this yet. So things, they were getting close. They, They had narrowed it down to three finalists back in 2016. And then there was a presidential election. And new leadership came in and put the put the blocks on that. They, they mm-hmm. really slowed it down. At the time, there was concerns that when the current FBI headquarters would no longer be used, that whoever got to develop it would put a new hotel there. Mm-hmm. It would compete with other hotels a couple of blocks away that the administration had a, an interest in. Mm. It, there was a, a lot of just sort of what ifs. Was it going to be new housing? Was it going to be a, another hotel? Like, there were huge plans for revamping a a plot of land downtown that is in a very high-traffic area. Right. And just all those question marks. And and then there was FBI leadership that didn't necessarily want to move. And and so all of that sort of put everything to a halt. 
Four years later, we have new leadership again. Democrats in Congress, many of them locally, have a lot of influence. Mm. Sort of revived this earlier this year. Told GSA, get moving on this. Uh, It was the same three sites, Springfield, Landover, and Greenbelt, that were in the mix again. And we thought we were going to have an answer to all of this by the end of September. And so now it's just one of those things where it could come any time now. It probably comes sometime by the end of the calendar year, but it's it's sort of just kind of revived, and it's now hurry up and wait. Mm. And, you know, the controversy that we're seeing right now centers around GSA's kind of scoring system. So can you briefly walk us through that scoring system and then tell us why, you know, some people aren't happy with it? So originally, when, when all this was being dreamed about many, many years ago, the the idea was that one of those three sites, it would be the, the influence of cost, how well those places could be secured from outside threats. Because, I mean, you know, really right now you walk downtown, you can go right up to the building. Mm. They're looking for something that's a lot more protected, less something like Oklahoma City happen again or something like that. Mm. So cost, security, and then access to transit. Those were the three big things. And they're still part of the scoring mix here. But the scoring system that came out recently that GSA said was going to sort of guide all of this also put a much more heavily weighted influence on proximity to other FBI facilities, Mm. which are pretty much in Virginia at this point. There's a facility in the Tysons area, I believe. Um, But the first thing they mentioned was the proximity to Quantico, which really shocked a lot of people because if people thought that the process was being rigged to land the site in Springfield, that's sort of the biggest red light in their minds because there's not a lot of activity that happens between the headquarters level and Quantico right now. Just... Like, no, nobody really makes that commute very often for much significant reason. So that was really the big flashing light. There are lots of other things that have to get weighed in, but the proximity to certain locations, including Quantico, cover 30% of the 100% scoring. Heavily weighted. Heavily weighted. Everything else is between 10 and 15%. That's interesting. The cost and the access to transit is less than— The, the cost— weighs the least out of everything, believe it or not. Wow. 10% of the scoring is on cost, which also surprised a lot of people because, I mean, look, there are certain agencies that spend better than others. The the FBI, and and look, for obvious reasons, they're known for spending a lot of money. Mm. Cost of this new headquarters does not factor all that significantly into this. I mean, you got to think about like the the technology, the security, all the stuff they need in that building. It's gonna, it's not like you're building an apartment building, right? No, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be pretty expensive. It and, will be heavily fortified, and that's probably why lawmakers in Maryland and Virginia want it to be in their state. It's going to bring huge revenue in. It's going to be a big deal for those communities. You caught up with Governor Larry Hogan, you know, about this, and he was pretty vocal about his dissatisfaction with this. He's not the only one either. He was the first to actually come out and say it beyond a couple of tweets we've seen from the from some members of Maryland's congressional delegation. Yeah, he called it outrageous. It feels as if uh, somebody's trying to sandbag the process and either rig it towards Virginia or trying not to move at all. And uh, but it 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 just was that it was on the uh, two yard line, and they've now you know kicked them out of the stadium pretty much what you would expect him to say. But yeah, that is the general feeling throughout the state of Maryland, that the process is being rigged to go toward Virginia. One of the arguments you're going to start to see is, you know, there was a flurry of executive orders signed when President Mm. Biden took office. And the day that he took office, one of those uh, talked about how the federal government has to do more to advance equity. 
And that's one of the arguments you're going to see being made in Maryland right now. And, and Virginia lawmakers have been trying to head that off even before all of this, saying, you know, that should have nothing to do with something of this magnitude. But that's going to be one of the arguments you see them make is that, you know, this is the more equitable choice, that there's a, an imbalance of federal offices already in D.C. and mm-hmm. Virginia, and that it's Maryland's turn to get something beyond some, some federal warehouse space at this mm. point. And remember that like Maryland has two of the three sites that are being considered. So this is a huge punch to them. Springfield, clearly less accessible from a transit perspective. I, I would say Landover is probably even less oh, really? accessible. Yeah, the Landover site, it's right. I don't know how, if you remember the old Landover Mall. Yeah. But it's, uh, Do it's, I remember the it, it's right where the Landover Mall used to be. So basically at 202 and the Beltway. But the, the closest metro station each are probably about two miles away, whether it's the Largo stop or the Landover stop. Mm. Um, the so Spring- you'd have to have a bus or a shuttle or something. Yeah. And the Springfield site, it's I, I think it's like sometime between a half mile and a mile to the Springfield metro. There's a VRE stop there as well. Okay. Um, they also threw in proximity to airports, which, you know, Greenbelt would have, you know, BWI is the closest one there. But Springfield, you have Reagan Nationals uh, about half the distance that BWI is to Greenbelt. Greenbelt yeah, that's a big deal. Greenbelt has Mark. Greenbelt has uh, the Metro there, obviously, as well. Um, it's accessible to the Beltway. It's very close to NSA, which, as crime fighting delves more into the cyber world, there is a lot of relationship building and, and relationships that exist between those two sites. Mm-hmm. That's one of the arguments for Greenbelt. Proximity to stuff, like Landover really doesn't make out with proximity to anything. And it was, well, I'm actually interested. I was going to go to my next question, but I'm interested in where people are living now, because if these little headquarters were scattered all over Virginia and Maryland, I mean, they've got to take some accounting of where the workforce is living, right? Well, I mean, it, it sort of depends. Like, you've got people that live way out in Virginia. You've got people that live in Maryland. I mean, it's it's sort of scattered out, and it kind of depends on on how high up you are in yeah. the bureau as well. Okay. Because um, if you I, thought you were, you know, you were commuting to whatever, Reston, and then all of a sudden it gets moved to Landover, it's like, oof. <laughs> right, right. No, it'd be brutal. Yeah. Th- there are people that make long commutes every day as it is that live Stafford County, Loudoun County. Um, and obviously this would have a major impact if it does move into Maryland. They chose that, though. I mean, I guess if this wouldn't be their choice. And, right. and this all goes back to this is really I mean, this has been going on for so long. We all know the name Steny Hoyer. And, you know, Majority Leader was really leading this charge. One of these sites is in his district. Can you talk about the role he's playing in all of this? Because I think Hogan is like, what the hell, man? Well, so Hoyer's been very much involved in this. And, yeah, the, the governor said he was leaning on on Hoyer to, to work the White House and sort of make some changes to the scoring system at this point. Yeah, there's a lot of belief that Hoyer's influence in the House was going to have an influence into the final location. Mm. That does not, at this moment, appear like it's happening. But if things change, I I think we would see, I think we would know where a lot of that influence came from. Yeah, Mm. even if it changed, like, the weighting of what, yeah, the the criteria. There's there's certainly a lot of hope that at least the weighting would change. I mean, if if you put the scoring system together, like, you can talk yourself into a, a way that, the headquarters still ends up in Maryland, but you really have to talk yourself into it if mm. you look at all the scoring and, and try to look at everything objectively. Virginia makes more sense right now based on the scoring system. Based on the scoring, those that say that this process is being weighted heavily to end up in Virginia, like the, the scoring does suggest that. 
So what are lawmakers in Virginia saying? Are they just kind of smiling and jumping for joy? Like, what are they saying about this change? Well, when the scoring system was announced uh, back in September, I did ask Congressman Jerry Connolly's office about that. And, yeah, his, his quote was – it came in a statement. It was like, yeah, this is what we've been saying all along. And it really has been mm. for the last – Forever, they've been pointing out that <laughs> like, like decade, basically. Yeah, yeah. they've been pointing out that putting this new headquarters next to other offices already, between the the, the the FBI's various other office sites, between the CIA being close by, the Pentagon being close by, yeah. that the proximity of all that already makes the most sense mm. in their mind. That that's what you know, mission mission accessibility and, and helping the uh, I guess the mission continue should be the most important thing. They're sort of not into the whole equity idea that, you know, it, it's the Prince George's County's turn. You know, maybe when it comes to other agencies, I'm, I'm sure they would feel differently. But in this case, you know, they're saying that this, you know, that sort of thing should not influence where this goes. And again, the scoring system sort of matches up to their arguments. And, and they were happy to point that out last month. So what's next? When will we learn? I mean, is the next step they're actually picking a site or? Supposedly, the um, so, so last month when the scoring system came out, they kind of laid out the process that's going to happen behind the scenes of like the committee of, of how they're going to they're going to score things to get, you know, by themselves and they'll come together, sort of talk it all out. And however the scoring system works out, you know, that decision would then come about. Is there a deadline for it or no? So the deadline was supposed to be September 30 at the end of the fiscal year. <laughs> a month ago. So but, no. But but, they, you know, they, they they had warned earlier that the deadline was probably not going to be hit. So I think the thinking is sometime before the end of the calendar year. But but there's I have not been told that anybody has been told of a firm date mm. on any of this. And you would think with something of this magnitude that the people that are involved, and we don't know who from GSA and who from FBI is involved, but the impression I got is that it's not Chris Ray and the head of the GSA sitting together, that it's it's maybe a couple steps below them. That's just how I read it. I could be wrong, but you would think a decision of this magnitude would go up beyond even them to the White House. Mm. Yeah. And and they would have a say in the matter, too. And, and so I think that's where the congressional delegation in Maryland is hoping to catch some ears and persuade some people. But again, you know, really, the FBI leadership doesn't want to leave. They're right across the street from the DOJ headquarters right now at the very top level. Look, that does make sense. They don't really want to leave. And so you're still going to see the FBI top brass have a spot in downtown D.C. For years. I mean, it's going to take years yeah. to build this it thing. It will take so years to build. it's not like they're moving anytime soon. Right. And depending on where they pick, there's a lot of, of work that has to be done on those sites. Like Landover Mall clearly is ready to go. It's just a big empty pit right now. Yeah. But the R. other R. locations would take a lot more construction and a lot more work. Look, there's a lot of layers for this. This is not going to be an easy decision. Even when GSA and FBI think they have a decision, I'm sure there's going to be uh, running it up the chain and getting approval. Mm. And then yeah, it's the federal government. <laughs> and then and then we'll see. Yeah. So the goal is to maybe have a decision by the end of the calendar year. But you're, you're almost talking in the idea that it's not going to happen until next spring, the way that the, the, the wheels of government is as slow as they turn. Mm. Well, John, you said it. There's a lot of layers here, but thank you for uh, walking through each layer with us and helping us understand it. Yep. After the break, we have another DMV date segment for you. This one is especially sweet. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. 
Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me as I dig deep into the mysterious case of the Potomac River Rapist. Listen to Unknown Subject, Season 3 of WTOP's award-winning American Nightmare podcast series, available now wherever you get your podcasts. So before we go, we have another DMV Dates idea for you. Mine's kind of weird. I'll say it. So, Megan, how about you start us off? <laughs> well, no, if yours is weird, I think you should start us off. Not to fight with you about it. But, wow. But I think, I think if you're, like, going outside the box, I kind of want to – I'm here for it. Yeah, super far afield here. So, you know, we've been doing this DMV Dates segment for a while, and it's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. But I got to thinking, you know, taking a date every week, which is kind of what we're suggesting – could be kind of exhausting. And sometimes you just need a little personal reset. So I'm going to give some ideas for dates with oneself, which sounds kind of weird. But what I mean by that is, you know, just taking time, two hours, you know, like you would with a date with another person, taking two hours to go somewhere where you can just not look at your phone, take time with yourself, converse with yourself, think about what's going on, and have fun while you're doing it. I kind of love it because I feel like there's a lot of things too. I mean, we're such a connected society and this is getting like really big, but like you feel like you need to do things with friends and with someone or whatever, but there's so many things to do in the city and there's so many amazing places to explore that, yeah, I mean, building in time for yourself is huge. Totally. So here, here are three ideas. First, just drive to Rock Creek Park and walk on a trail for two hours. Do not pick the trail. Just kind of walk. Don't get lost. You have your phone, you know. But, like, you know, just walk throughout the trails. You weren't supposed to look at your phone. (laughs) You can look at your phone's directions. That's the one (laughs) rule you can break, okay? Um, And just walk through Rock Creek Park and just have time to think. Walking stimulates great thought. You know, that's proven. Um, And so that's idea one. Number two, go to the National Gallery of Art and just look at pieces of art alone. The one thing I hate about going to museums with other people, I love other people, but... (laughs) They, like, want to go to different, you know, paintings and stuff. Sometimes I want to look at a darn painting for, you know, 30 minutes and just stare into the eyes of Rembrandt. Wait, you know, you're one of those people? It. Yes. And I, oh, I do I not love that. Want... I don't do that. I, I get bored easily. Yeah. I'm sorry to say. No, it's okay. I mean, I get bored by most, but sometimes I just want to look at a flower or a Rembrandt and just stare at it and not have, you know, worry about other people, you know. Right. Third idea, this is kind of more intensive, I'm actually doing it this weekend, is driving out and just going on a camping trip by yourself. That's kind of extreme level, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> here. But, um, you know, like go to Assateague and just sit on the beach and or the camp Shenandoah and cook, or you know, something. a meal for yourself yeah. and just kind of have a afternoon, night, morning, you know, to just think and look at the waves and then come home. And then make people miss you a little bit. Yeah, so exactly. when you get back, exactly. you have something it's to talk a win-win, about. win-win, <laughs> really. Um, anyway, so that's that's kind of my farther afield, out of the box DMV dates suggestion. Okay, well now I, I you know, it, it is hard to pivot back to, back to <laughs> you know pleasing other people and thinking about somebody you want to impress. Um, okay, I'll make mine quick. I'll try to make mine quick. Here we go. I have a really good one for like a Halloweeny kind of date. Ooh, topical. Um, yeah. Okay, so. First of all, it starts at a winery. I know everyone is shocked that I'm I'm suggesting <laughs> wine on a date. Um, but I, I just want to let everybody know, first of all, you don't have to go, like, out to Virginia, middle of Virginia. Like, there's plenty of, like, district winery in the Yards Park. Totally. There's plenty of little wine bars around. Um, if you're interested in, like, really making a road trip out of it, the James Sellers Winery in Glen Allen, Virginia, which is, like, near Richmond, basically, um, is having an event that's themed toward this. But mm. here's my idea. 
you go to a winery, you buy a wine flight, which usually costs about 20 bucks. A little and, taster. Yeah, and you get like, you know, four or five little glasses of wine. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you're able to pick which wines go in there. Yeah. And you're going to pick these specific wines. Whoa, that, we're getting a wine list. That pair well with Halloween candy. Whoa. <laughs> so, wow, I'm blown away. You're welcome. <laughs> So what you need to do is, like, if you bought the Halloween candy for the kids or whatever, maybe this is a better date after Halloween when you have Halloween candy at your workplace or whatever. That works. Okay. So you got to grab a Kit Kat, a Snickers, three Musketeers, and a Twix. Those are all the standards. Got it. Okay. Um, apparently, Kit Kat pairs well with Pinot Noir. Oh, I can totally see that. Quote, it makes milk chocolate <laughs> wafer combo feel like a chocolate dipped raspberry. Yum. I know. Snickers, you pair with a dessert wine because apparently the nutty honeyness of Snickers is like pulled out by the sweetness. Obviously. Three Musketeers, you pair with a Chenin Blanc. I hope I said that right. And Twix with a Moscato. And this is all from the Vivino wine app. They like do this every year where wow. they suggest candy wines. Pairings. Yeah, yeah. So you can pull it up on the app. And I mean, it's easy to find a bunch of, you know, organizations have done these before. But I thought it'd be so cool. Like grab a couple, you know, handful of Halloween candy. Cute. Maybe surprise them with the candy. Yeah. Like, and you're like, oh, these, like pick out the flight and then surprise your date. Yeah. That's, that's pretty fun. Rockland's Farm in Poolsville, Maryland, which we haven't talked about before, is not too far away. It's $20 for a flight. You can pick your own if you want to kind of make a day of it. Because it's supposed to be like 60 degrees gorgeous. This weekend. No rain at all. Wow. So either go on a camping trip by yourself or um, have an awesome, delicious wine and candy date. Based on my uh, (laughs) sharing about how I really don't like camping, you know where I'm going. Facts. (laughs) And that'll do it for us today on the DMV Download. We are brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. And our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show if you get a chance and tell people about the show as well. You can find out more information and become a VIP listener at dmvdownload.com. An easy way to do that is to share some of our social media. We're sharing it every single day. And uh, what am I supposed to say here? The DMV Download is a product of (laughs) WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com and on the WTOP News app. Have a great evening. We'll see you tomorrow.